It's the Early Access Podcast, episode 26, March 24th. We are here on day seven or nine or something like that of quarantine here in Northern California. I'm your host, DJ Nikki Kuehler, is here with me on the show. Uh, in actual Early Access Podcast news before we we talk about how we've all been locked up for forever, because that's all anyone is talking about nowadays. Half-Life Alex came out yesterday. Um, it's for those of you who don't know anything about the Half-Life series. Uh, it is Valve's probably biggest narrative-driven game other than the Portal series, which I found out. Slight spoiler alert for a game that's, well, literally came out in 98. The Portal universe is inside of the Half-Life universe. I, I didn't realize that, but I watched a whole recap on the entire series, uh, and I've never actually played the Half-Life game. So like I said, it came out in 98. I was, let's see, three at that time and uh, did not have the money to afford a PC nor the hand-eye coordination to play with mouse and keyboard. So I picked up Half-Life Alex after watching a bunch of recaps on well, what has happened in the previous Half-Life games, which I'm actually very glad I did um, because it's such a narrative-driven game. Game's absolutely incredible. I mean, Twitter right now, because we're all locked up in quarantine, is entirely, doesn't matter who you follow on Twitter, it is people making fun of the coronavirus, uh, and then it is people commenting on people who are stupid and being outside during the coronavirus, and then it is people talking about Animal Crossing, and then it is people talking about Half-Life Alex. Uh, and some of those people are very salty gamers who are, are mad pancakers that it didn't come out on PC so they could play it on their outdated 98 technology that is mouse and keyboard. But I haven't played it. I'm about... I don't actually remember. I played a little bit today, but I think I'm like three hours in. I'm going to actually pop my Steam open here and see. Half-Life Alex. I am about three hours into the game so far. I'm only on Chapter 3. I'm like taking my time. I could very easily like sprint through the game. But I'm doing everything I can in the game and the amount of polish that, that's been put into the game. So first off, I'm going to hit some actual legitimate criticisms of the game. So far, I'm only three hours in on Chapter 3. Uh, a lot of VR people are saying there's nothing innovative about it, which I agree, actually. There's nothing new as far as Half-Life goes. If we were to think about other VR games like Sprint Vector, which completely revolutionized movement mechanics in VR games. Um, Sprint Vector was a game where you make a running motion back and forth with your arms to run forward and you can like ride on walls and jump up and down with reduced motion sickness because the whole thing with motion sickness is that if you see motion but don't feel it or you feel motion but don't see it, I mean, think about like being on a cruise ship, you know, where there's like constant motion, but if you're in your cabin, you don't really see too many things rocking around. That, that can make you a little sick. Um, car sickness and airplane sickness and stuff like that where in an airplane you can feel movement but you don't see it you know you're just in the cabin um, things aren't moving around too much but you're shaking a little bit you know that can cause motion sickness the whole thing with sprint vector was because you are actively moving your arms back and forth that your body feels movement and you see movement so it reduces motion sickness um, Servios does a great job with adding lots of little innovations into the VR space with how they did Melee and Creed and uh, all that stuff. Half-Life Alex doesn't add basically anything. Um, but what it does do is it takes a lot of lessons that we've learned about VR. By we, I mean the VR industry over the past, what, four, five years? And they put it all in the one game. And one of the things that really impresses me about it is the interactivity of absolutely freaking everything in the game. Uh, I was telling Kula earlier, we just did a long pre-show, which by the way, 8 p.m. PSD here, twitch.tv slash Del Shampoo. Uh, we were sitting here for like two hours talking about this stuff. 
But I went as far to like put everything I can on my head in Half-Life Alex, and they register as hats. So you can take like a hard hat sitting around and put it on your head. Or you can take like an orange cone even and put it on your head. And while it does like obscure your vision, I mean, if you think about like putting an orange cone on your head, you can probably see the the brim of a baseball cap over your eyes. You can kind of get that in VR. But there's actual gameplay implications in Half-Life Alex to that. Where I don't actually know the term of these like monster thingies. Well, they're these giant mouths that are hanging from ceilings and they drop down tongues. And if you were to walk up to them and uh, put your neck under their tongue, then they choke you to death. Um, but in Half-Life Alex, if you're wearing a hat, then the tongue will grab onto the, your hat and they'll lift it up and eat the hat. And you can get under them smoothly without wasting bullets shooting up at them. Which I thought was absolutely incredible. All of Twitter right now is people in the first room in Half-Life Alex. there's a whiteboard. It's not really a whiteboard, it's glass. There are whiteboard markers and erasers. And you can actually draw. And I've seen some legitimately good drawings. I, I can't draw at all, which... I really wish I had a friend who was good at drawing come over and draw something for me so I could post it on Twitter for the internet karma and the likes. I can't draw at all. But I drew something on the whiteboard. It's a freaking stick figure. Most people are just drawing dicks. And I erased it with the whiteboard marker. I was like, wait a minute. If I can if I can erase with my hand. And so I draw something in and I take my hand, wipe it over. I legitimately freak the fuck out. Uh, and an audible like, whoa, like... Just thrown back in my... Well, not in my seat because I was standing up. And I'm like, at this point, a three-year veteran of VR. And I'm amazed at the fact that I can wipe things away uh, with my hand. And there's so much interactivity that the game has. Like putting things on your head and, and wiping stuff off of whiteboards. That, that you just can't get in PC gaming. And so, there are a lot of, uh, there are a lot of pancakers out there. A lot, of, a lot of PC gamers who are angry about this expensive VR equipment and how restrictive it is to the fact that you can only play Half-Life uh, in VR. And it's important that the games for VR are built for VR, right? You have Skyrim, but Skyrim was a game that came out in 2011 that was ported into VR. It's not quite the same. Same thing with Payday 2. It's, it wasn't built for VR, so there are, there are compromises uh, to be made there. Like, for example, in Payday, you can't actually turn the doorknob and like peek through the door. Because the door has a binary open or close. It doesn't, you know, allow you to actually like half open the door and peek in and shoot a security guard. Uh, little things like that, that that can hurt your immersion because the game wasn't actually made with VR audiences in mind. And so, anyway, people are angry, uh, PC gamers in particular, that they can't play Half-Life Alex. And so I went and I sat down and I, I thought to myself, all right, what is the, what is the cost of high-end VR. I'll tell you. It's it's you don't even need a 1080, but that's what I run in my in my system. You probably already have that. So if you want the highest of high-end VR right now, you're looking at the Valve Index, which is a thousand dollars, a thousand US dollars plus tax. So I was going in and I was like, all right, so that's the high-end of VR. How much does it cost to do high-end PC gaming? Right? If you wanted to be a professional Counter-Strike player or something like that. We're gonna compare high-end to high-end. And so I went on prosettings.net, just Googled that real quick, and looked at some of Shroud's equipment. Shroud's mouse alone, Shroud's Air 58 Mystic Blue mouse, is on sale on Amazon right now for $425, more than the cost of a Rift S, which, by the way, you can play Half-Life Alex on for $400. You have 
monitors, which you know you're not, you know, you're a pro gamer, you're not running one or two monitors, you know, 144 hertz gaming monitor, the one Shroud is running at $450, and of course, you probably have two or three of those going up to, what, 500, 750 bucks. Keyboard coming in at uh, $134, that's a little bit on the cheaper side. Altogether, uh, you're looking at your PC gaming setup, and you're already looking at a couple thousand dollars, my man. Uh, if not, at least a thousand dollars. Don't even include the tower, right? You're looking at, you just want to get into VR, and you're looking at $400. And so, it's it's not an expense, I think, that is prohibitive. I mean, we're looking at the, the PlayStation launch, the PlayStation 4 uh, came out at $400, right? VR right now can be purchased at the cost of a console. And if you want to go cheaper than that, you have the shitty, you know, like $200 Dell and HP headsets, whatever those ones are. I, I've tried those out at PAXs in like 2018. I hated those headsets personally, um, but you have much cheaper ways to get into VR. So I've compiled a, a couple of reviews uh, of of dumb people on Metacritic, which the, the longer I'm alive, the more I think that like, yes, everyone's entitled to your opinion, but sometimes your opinion doesn't matter. Uh, similar to like, you know, how I think to get political for a moment. My opinion on abortion doesn't quite matter as much as it would uh, if I were able to bear children. You know, like some people, your opinion, random person walking around the Santa Cruz Beach boardwalk right now with a hundred other people, your opinion that the coronavirus isn't that bad. Uh, you can have your opinion, but your opinion doesn't matter as much as the doctor is telling us to stay inside. Idiots. Get inside. Anyway. So, in a similar light, uh, you know, people who don't own VR probably shouldn't shouldn't be uh, saying things like, Ensure you have a finger-tracked setup for your game. Nothing is added by using VR for this game. A bad shot to try to breathe some life into VR using a beloved franchise. Uh, Half-Life Alex was topping off on Twitch... It was the number one on Twitch um, on release, but it was actually number three when I checked. I'm looking right now. The number of people currently playing Half-Life Alex. if we're trying to breathe life into VR. The number of people playing right now, it is 10.38 p.m. Playing right now is 9,092 people are playing Half-Life Alex. 9,092 right now. The peak was 23,000. For reference, Beat Saber is only 1,210 people. Uh, Half-Life Alex is absolutely destroying VR charts. And I know it just came out. And because it's a story-driven game that people probably aren't going to do second, third, fourth, fifth playthroughs through, that it's not going to maintain uh, this many people. But the interest is absolutely there. And I don't know what the fuck they mean by finger-tracked setup. You can play this very, very well on a on a normal standard HTC Vive with the fat-ass Vive wands with no finger tracking whatsoever. In fact, I have finger tracking. I, I use the index controllers, and at no point did I actually need it. There's no, like, fancy manipulation if you were to, like, use a bow and arrow or you're trying to flip cards through the middle of your fingers and stuff like that. Finger tracking is absolutely unnecessary for the game. A lot of people are um, criticizing the whole hand-floating thing, too. That's the right decision. I mean... I'm a dude, and Half-Life Alex. if you guys don't know, um, Alex in the Half-Life series is a 19-year-old woman. Uh, might be a little immersion-breaking for me to be, you know, a, a five foot five tall woman when I look down, when in real life, I'm actually a six-foot-tall dude. I will actually say this to the people criticizing 
um, the character of of Alex in Half Life Alex. She does not sound like a nineteen year old girl. She like she sounds like a legitimate like full grown woman in that game. Probably because the voice actress really is a, a full grown woman, but um, they are not doing a very good job convincing me that Alex is a nineteen year old uh, girl. With the exception of the fact that like she doesn't know about things like a um, little bit of a tiny tiny spoiler, but she doesn't know about sandwiches in Half-Life Alex. The rest of this, me talking about it, will be spoiler-free for those of you who haven't played it, because I know it's only been out for two days. But she, like, doesn't know about sandwiches because her whole life has been uh, in this universe where, where things have gone horribly wrong. Other people saying that um, the most glaring issue is lack of keyboard and mouse support. There's so much in this game that you can't do. I, I think the most robust keyboard and mouse game right now, as far as, like, actions you can take with your hands and feet without actually being tracked in VR is Escape from Tarkov, where you can slow down your movement. You can actually, in Escape from Tarkov, like, there's, if you think about Call of Duty, standing, crouching, and laying down. In Tarkov, there's, like, standing and crouching a little bit, and then crouching a tiny bit, and then crouching more, and then medium crouch, and then full-on crouch, and then, like, squat crouch, right? And, and all that takes advantage of so many buttons and, and your mouse scroll wheel um, that, that you just have to know so much on your keyboard. And while keyboards do have, what, shit tons of buttons, right? There's one instance in the game, in Half-Life Alex, where there's a lock on a door. And behind that lock, and behind that door, you can clearly see, no spoiler, don't worry, is an explosive barrel. So if you were to shoot this lock head-on, the bullet will go through the lock in the explosive barrel and blow you the fuck up, right? So... In a keyboard and mouse shooter, you'd probably have to awkwardly crouch and and get at a weird angle and look up at the lock and shoot it. Whereas in VR, all I do is I turn my wrist and pull the trigger. So I shoot the lock off to the left without shooting the barrel behind it. Just little things like that that allow you to manipulate your environment and your physics that just can't translate into keyboard and mouse without becoming press E to shoot this lock off or press F to pay respects. Like, you actually got to put your hand on the man's coffin and pay your actual respects. Uh, so the whole keyboard mouse thing, if anything, would water down the game's experience. Uh, a lot of people saying, again, an insult. An insult to the Half-Life fan base. No keyboard and mouse support. Uh, there's no multiplayer at all, which I actually don't know if... Has Half-Life ever had multiplayer cooler? I know you haven't played, but... I, I I don't know. If so, not the first. It's not... Half-Life, from what I understand, also isn't really a, like a multiplayer-driven game. If they're referring to like... there was some level in the later ones. Portal does have co-op. And so... Yeah. I, I can give it that, but this game wasn't meant for co-op. This game was... It's Half-Life Alex. You're, you're Alex. You're Alex Vance going through the game. This isn't the Half-Life Alex and Russell game. Right, this is straight up Half-Life Alex. Uh, more people saying this game is complete VR garbage. If developers are going to force people to buy a VR trash just to play this game, the least they could do is make it immersive when people who have actually played the game are calling it one of the most immersive VR games of all time. And they do they do take a lot of actual, like going back on what I said earlier about Half-Life Alex having uh, taken from what we've learned from three, four, five years of past VR games and putting it in. One of the things I really like, that I think they've actually perfected for the first time, is force grabbing. So uh, if you imagine like an object on the floor 
you can you can probably think like if you were to play a VR game, bending over to pick it up repeatedly, and playing an eight-hour game, bending over to pick up things for eight hours, it gets really exhausting. So one of the ways that one of the VR game design decisions people have come up with is force grabbing things and bringing it to your hand. I think Alex has actually got it perfect because in other games you could force like lift it and then manipulate it in the environment and bring it back to you. What what happens in Half-Life Alex is you actually have to throw it to yourself. So if a gun magazine was sitting on a shelf and I didn't want to walk over the shelf and pick it up, I have to reach my hand out, then make a grabbing motion, kind of like I'm pulling my arm back to flick the item to me. Then I have to catch it in my hand and then put it in either my weapon pouch or on my wrist pouch or wherever I want um, to store that item. And that level of interactivity is something that I think is really cool that they've gotten down perfect because it's actually a little bit skill-based. Um, you can't just go around cleaning off the shelves, picking everything up off of the shelf perfectly. You need a little bit of accuracy and timing when it comes to like, you know, pulling it and then catching it in your hand and then putting it away. It's not like in Blade and Sorcery, for example, where it just comes to your hand and you grab it, right? There's a little bit of skill and interaction that goes with grabbing each object and waiting for it to come to you. And that limitation of you not being able to just like, you know, pull everything and, and manipulate it in any way you want. Because in like Blade and Sorcery, if I wanted to say, Blade and Sorcery is a, a melee fighting game for those of you who don't know. If I wanted to grab a sword, well, I could force grab it, float it in the air, stab someone with it in midair and then bring it to me. Whereas, you know, force grabbing in Half-Life Alex with the gravity gloves isn't as powerful. I have to bring the item to me and then manipulate it. And so I really like that. It solves the whole bending over and picking stuff up problem. It's interactive because I actually have to physically catch the item. And I do miss. Like, I'll catch 99% of the items I fling at myself. But very occasionally, like, I'll miss and have to try again. And the whole, like, actually interacting with your environment... More so than just walk up to the item, press E, and then a generic hand animation to pick up that item goes through. Uh, that in itself is a lot more immersive than just like search this body. There's uh, there's actual like body searching in the game. You know, if you were to think of like in Call of Duty, I got to swap weapons, right? In Call of Duty, you just, your hands disappear and then you magically have another gun in your hands. Your guy doesn't bend down, pick it up, and then load it. That would be not only annoying, but cumbersome. In Half-Life Alex, right, if I want to search a body for a gun magazine that they have in their pocket, right, I actually flip the guy over and then, like, pull it out of his pocket. And usually the dude is some dead, grimy, uh, weird fantasy horror model that you have to look at while you're doing this, and it really helps you, like, get in the moment. Uh, and, and the fact that... I think it's a lost on a lot of people. A lot of people who are watching VR in 2D on YouTube might not get how immersive it is because it is a 3D medium. And so I kind of see um, why they're they're mad about it. They want to play the game, but they don't have the money. Uh, but also, it's, it's just incredibly closed-minded to, to think that this level of interactivity can be achieved by press E to pick this gun up off the floor. You know, I actually have to, to check my ammo in Half-Life Alex. I do this constantly. I have to turn my gun to the side and there's a little meter on the pistol that shows how many bullets you have left. If you have like three or seven or whatever. And I'm doing that constantly, turning and looking at my gun rather than just, you know, darting my eye on the screen to whatever HUD I have that tells me that I have seven bullets left and, and three magazines. I actually have to be a little more careful with my ammo because it's not sitting there telling me 
that, oh, you're low on ammo, you know, that last bullet comes out and the slide locks back and I'm like, oh shit. And going to do that quick reload when you're under pressure and enemies are firing at you is different than just pushing R to reload. Because when you reload an M4 in Call of Duty, it reloads in 1.2 seconds every time. And when I reload in Half-Life Alex under stress, I mean, I've, I've played a little bit more shooters than everyone else, but, you know, you might have that quick one second reload when you're not under pressure and then you might fumble the magazine a little bit when you are under pressure i think i, I might be wrong on this but i think far cry or some other games have, have have tried to implement like weapon jamming and stuff like that and that actually can happen in vr fumbling around with your equipment um whereas in actual pc gaming where everything is just a perfect animation it's just not that smooth um and and you can't you can't add that in because then it's just irritating to the player. I didn't mess it up, right? I pressed R to reload. That's all I had to do. Whereas in VR, if you messed up, like, oh, crap, I really did miss the magwell on that one and the gun didn't load properly. Anyway, uh, I'm enjoying the game. I, I do agree with the criticism, though, that it's not innovative, but I don't think it has to be. I think the fact that they focused on a lot of lessons that we have learned in VR throughout the years and applying that, like force grabbing and physics and interacting with your environment um, and flashlights and all that stuff. I think the fact that they, they focused on just making a clean first Valve title for VR uh, was fantastic. And I'm, I'm glad they focused on that. And this just means that they can expand and innovate a little bit more in the future. And VR is still, it's still pretty young. We're, we're still pretty far in our infancy. I imagine that when I have grandchildren, that this bulky headset that we're wearing on our head and these controllers that actually weigh more than, you know, one nanogram. You know, it's not just like a glove you slip on um, that's super light and super compact and sweatproof. You know, it'll look, what I'm using right now that's considered cutting edge will hopefully look primal a little bit uh, in the future when VR does a little bit better. All right, another gaming news. Uh, we have to talk about the Rona because that's all anyone is talking about nowadays. Uh, six days ago, Caseytron got banned from Twitch, uh, and the quote she got banned for was uh, the following. We would leave quarantine, uh, when she's talking about, you know, catching the coronavirus, we would leave quarantine and we would try to spread it as much as possible because the world would be a better place without old and poor people. Uh, for those of you who don't know anything about Caseytron, she is, she is a over the top kind of like dr disrespect is an over the top parody of the stereotypical like male uh gamer casey tron is a stereotype of the uh super sexual female twitch streamer to the point where like her logo on twitch um her overlay and i think even her twitter header right now is her name but in the brazzers logo style uh and so Twitch has banned her indefinitely for this coronavirus comment, which, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to go and fight on the hill of not the nicest thing to say, but I have heard such, such worse things on Twitch. I, I'm going to go back to this every time. The cat throwing thing was legitimately a bad thing that happened that Twitch didn't take action on while Casey Tron has been banned indefinitely. She commented on Twitter. Um, she hasn't said much since the March 18th ban 
Um, but she did say she's been indefinitely suspended. And then she says uh, that she apologizes for anyone who was hurt and offended by my comments. I do not hold hatred towards the poor elderly. Over the past month, I've been extremely worried about my parents, as many have. I've also been extremely worried about my family's financial situation. I've always used humor as a coping mechanism. When I said poor and old people are a plague, it was letting out my frustration and mocking a system I felt has tossed the poor and elderly aside. I realize that it was an insensitive joke and that's not an excuse for it. I accept my punishment. I just hope you can all realize that I am human. I'm not infallible and I make mistakes. She made these comments on March 18th and uh, just coming out today on uh, on March 24th are uh, a lot of people in politics saying that we need to get back to work and that who is someone said that old people would die for this country, Kueller. I've been seeing that Twitter uh, that tweet a billion times today. Do you know who that was? Oh, it's, been a, it's actually been like a number of people. I think I saw something from like Fox that was talking about how like it's okay if we're, it's acceptable that people will die for the sake of coming back to work and like getting the economy back on track. Casey Tron says this on, she, she does this as a parody of a system that has tossed the poor and elderly aside, as she says. She said this on March 18th. Yeah. And on March 23rd, or March 24th, excuse me, we literally have people talking about, yeah, people are going to die if we reopen businesses. That's just how it's got to go. Including the president, all, all the way up to that point. Can we actually... They're just not I saying as bluntly as she has, uh, and maybe not like as we must kill them specifically, but in a sense saying like... It's fine if they're sacrificed. It's fine if they are affected negatively. I want it for for posterity. If we're ever looking back on this podcast, um, oh, I have it. I have it here. I'm gonna read a Trump tweet for posterity in case um, you know any time in the future anyone comes back and they're like, "Oh, Nikki, how how was the Rona times? You know, how was that massive pandemic that moved the Tokyo Olympics to 2021?" Uh, this is what Donald Trump tweeted. I don't like getting super political, but just so I'm not like putting words out there and you think that I'm spinning things, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read these tweets word for word uh, from Trump. This is from 15 hours ago. It is right now, 10.54 p.m. Our people want to return to work. They practice social distancing and all else, and seniors will be watched over protectively and lovingly. We can do the two things together. The cure cannot be worse, this is in all caps, by far than the problem. Congress must act now. We will come back strong. And so uh, Trump advocating for people to go back to work. Right now, by the way, California is still, Northern California on lockdown for another 14 days that Kuehler and I are stuck in our homes. And the president is advocating for people to return to work so that uh, we don't have such a terrible hit to the economy. And I know actually a lot of small businesses around me are closing, um, have closed, and may close permanently is what I meant to say. Um, I know actually a lot of businesses missing rent. Uh, I support a lot, a lot of local businesses, whether it be like restaurants or in particular card shops because I do go out and play Pokemon. Um, I've seen a lot of my local card shops go out and some of them are doing better than others. Like the really big ones are like, hey, we'll give you like, $10 in store credit if you give us $100 right now. Uh, we'll give you $110 in store credit, um, which is kind of how they're covering it. But um, some arcades are are struggling to support their their employees because they're all, you know, probably minimum wage or not much more than minimum wage workers who are not getting paid right now because, well, they, their business is closed down as non-essential. And so I've seen GoFundMes 
to cover, you know, two weeks of salary for workers who are sitting at home right now doing nothing. Um, I've seen one of my local card shops right now is like on the verge of closing down because they can't pay for their their shipments of supplies because they also sell comic books. They can't sell. Uh, they can't pay right now for those comic books that are coming in that they are stocking the shelves with and selling. And if that goes on for much longer, they may have to close down permanently if if there's no actual um, bailouts for them or or any subsidies coming their way. And so it's it's looking real bad. And Casey Tron, going back to the whole real uh, whole reason we're talking about this, parodying a system where yeah, elders aren't being treated very well. Meanwhile, the president advocating people to go back to work, acknowledging that people are going to get sick because of this, um, just really drives Casey Tron's whole whole point home even more. The whole fact the whole the fact that she's parodying something that actually does exist. Um, anyway, she's been banned indefinitely, and I'm gonna label this as a bad ban on Twitch's part because. She is parodying something that is a legitimate issue uh, that, I mean, what, five, six days later, you know, she's saying, oh, yeah, let's kill the elderly. And effectively, people are advocating right now uh, in our Congress to, well, put the elderly at risk by putting people back to work. That's what you're really saying. Kind of a reminder, these people would probably be banned from Twitch. Interesting to think of. Trump would be banned from Twitter. If, if we're and, banning you know, Casey Trump, like, they would ban Trump Twitter, from Twitch. which is more or less like the hotbed of like all the politicians' takes and whatnot, has like said that like removing politicians' tweets is not something they really want to do, which seems to imply that had he been like a normal person saying something like that, they probably would. But I guess maybe if someone were to say something like this and not be and be like a be like a high-ranking person, they probably would stick around. And I, I don't want to say like. I don't want to be putting the oh Nikki graduated from San Francisco State the damn liberal <laughs> he's he's putting the blue spin on things like I'm, I the results I'm also, I, the, also this really podcast might be a little blue what I am saying is that the result of advocating people going back to work right now when we're at the height of this pandemic is more people getting sick and then those people who are at risk are the elderly. And so this is bad for the elderly. Casey Tron was parodying, yeah, I'm going to go out and kill the elderly. Like, it was clearly a joke, right? But she's she's parodying something that's serious. And that, that is just actually like being talked about in this country. Artist. And she was banned from Twitch. And so I'm full on advocating we, Twitch. Break. Justice for Casey Tron. Ban- exactly, Cooler. Ban the girl throwing cats. I'm still anti-throwing cat. I don't know why she's still around. That to me is worse than saying kill the elderly. Do not kill the elderly. I am pro not killing the elderly. And I am pro bringing Casey Tron back. That Wrapping it all together, that's what I'm trying to, uh, to bring home here. Um, just to try to be as objective and following my moral compass as best I can. Uh, setting aside all politics. And that just, Casey Tron's just a wonderful performance artist. That the f- people get way too upset over because she's that good at being a performance artist. She tries to piss people off, and she does. Um, yeah, and it's like an excuse. Sometimes people do shitty things and be like, "Oh, it's just like pulling up performance." I'm just some no. She really is everything. Every level of her like streaming personality is clearly some sort of like parody. Meanwhile, what I will approve of is the Brazilian government. I saw a video today. The Brazilian government is uh, flying helicopters around this beach. And I verified this, that this is actually, like, recent footage. Uh-huh. And 
they're flying the helicopter so low that it kicks up sand. So if they see anyone on the beach, they bring the helicopter down so it kicks up sand and makes them go away. And if they don't leave, they turn the helicopter to the side where there's a guy with a mounted machine gun just sitting there waving at them. Be like, hey, please leave the beach. Sounds a bit scary. I think it's hilarious and appropriate in these uh, in these scary times we're living Was in. Was it the government doing this? Oh, I actually don't know. I, I might have actually... Because I have heard those. the other story about how, like, the the gang, the Brazilian gangs in the favela in Rio de Janeiro are, like... Are, they're saying, like, the government's not enforcing our lockdown, so we will. I, I, this, I have heard that this weird, also. like, ANCAP, like, utopian of protecting ourselves against the virus. I, I, I'm going to walk that one back. Someone is doing it, and whoever it is, it's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> whoever, whoever it is, we don't know. So some of the going kind of crazy. Bolsonaro's not doing the greatest job. Some of the YouTube comments, you know, YouTube comments, smartest people, and y- yeah. you might be inclined to agree with them on, on first glance. This might have also, it was a little bit of my knee-jerk reaction. Oh, there's only two people on the beach. Whatever. Like, they're probably part of the same family. They're spread so far apart. They're, it's not like... Those pictures in Florida where there are a bunch of people partying, spring breaking on the beach, right? When when I saw this footage, there are like people in pairs extremely far apart, way more than six feet. Uh, And and they're like, oh, why are you sending them back? There's only, they're still social distancing. And uh, that was my knee jerk reaction too. And then thinking about it a little more. All right, if you allow those two people to go to the beach, then you allow two more people to go to the beach and two more people to go to the beach. And then, then they're walking past each other. And now they're setting up towels closer to each other. We can't allow anyone to go to the beach right now uh and poonanders actually one of my friends told me about this earlier today it's kind of like not voting right everyone should vote there's a whole thing right honestly i think it's actually correct if one person doesn't vote it actually doesn't impact things that much right that i actually think that's mathematically speaking correct but if all of you have that mentality if everyone has the mentality of i'm not going to vote you know, you're not a smart, unique human being, and I'm not either because I'm repeating this, and Poonanners told me it earlier today. A million other people thought that, and now that's a million people not voting, and now that's a problem. So if you can't go to the beach, no one can, and uh, I approve of these. I'm just going to assume they're Brazilian uh, Brazilian helicopter owners <laughs> flying around the beach uh, kicking people off. And everyone at the beach really of Florida, get the matters. fuck out of here. Get, get the fuck out of here. Oh, right. here. Please stay home so we don't send helicopters after you. I don't have any helicopters. Um, you never know. But anyway. You could steal one. Like, the guy stole an Amazon truck. Uh, an Amazon truck was stolen in San Francisco today. This honestly isn't even news, because if it was, we'd have to say it every podcast, probably. Because yeah, shit gets yeah. stolen in San Francisco. But basically, the, the, the delivery guy left the keys in the ignition, and these guys saw the opportunity, and they took it. This and happened hours ago. Hours yeah. ago, <laughs> and we saw footage of it. Uh, they and the response was just like, "Yeah, it's the second one I've seen personally." Uh, As if this happens like somewhat often. Then the fact that so when I was in Japan, my friend left his bike. I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast, but I've only told it before. Um, we went on a walk. Uh, we went to the mall. We went out to go get food. We're probably gone for a couple hours. He left his bike in a public park, unchained, leaning against a public bathroom. And so uh, he's like, I got to go home now. I got to go grab my bike at the park. I'm like, yeah, I'll walk you back, dude. And he like walks up to his bike, leaning against the wall. And I'm like, is that your bike? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, you didn't chain it up? He's like, no. Why would I? Oh, the, the fact that not <laughs> locking your bike was... As 
unbelievably foreign to me. Literally foreign because I'm in Japan. And I'm like, yeah, in San Francisco, they'll steal your bike seat if they lo- if you lock your bike. They'll just take yeah, your bike it, that's seat. A, it's a big thing in like the universities like Davis or, or Santa Barbara where they have like a lot of bikes in the area that like people will chain their bikes and they'll like rip the bike apart around the chain. <laughs> I, I got to tell an unscripted story here. Dino told me this story. If if you guys don't know, Dino was my friend who uh, was part of the Pizza Hot scandal back at Gamescom when I was hosting Gamescom. Anyway, all you need to know is Dino is a game developer who graduated from UC Davis. And UC Davis, bikes stolen everywhere all the time. If, if you lock your bike, they'll steal your bike seat. They'll steal your tires. Anything. Anything they can get their hands on, they will take. Um, if you like your If you lock your bike handle, they'll take the rest of the bike and leave the bike handle. It'll happen. Uh, and so Dino went to UC Davis and he told me this story one time he was in class and he got his bike stolen. Uh, unfortunate about a month later, he goes to this party and he sees in this party unlocked inside of the apartment or frat house or wherever he's in is his bike. And it's very clearly his bike and it has a lock on it, but it, and it's indoors. And he yells, that's my bike. So he picks up his bike and the party host stops like, yo, man, why are you trying to steal my bike? And Dino goes to this man and it's like, this is my bike. And the man's like, oh, shit, sorry, bro, sorry. <laughs> and so Dino walks out of this party with his bike. Thing is, the wheels are locked, so he cannot ride this bike. And UC Davis is this big, open, like, farmland, flat area. So and so Dino- like cows around the area. There's nothing up there aside from UC Davis, the school. If the school wasn't there, the city wouldn't be there. It's really just the school. Yeah. And so he walks miles back to his dorm to bring to bring his bike into his apartment, uh, undo the lock, and, and now he has his bike back. And the mental image, if I were rich, this is what I want. I want it on a big tapestry, a picture of Dino walking through an open the open field of UC Davis <laughs> with a bike on his shoulder with the bike lock on the wheel because he cannot ride it home. That that image in my mind is hilarious. Um, but anyway. It's like some like, is, stained glass of like Dino's Via oh, Dolorosa yeah. or something. I, 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 I'm going to call him up and be like, dude, what was your bike like? like I had to get this painted. Like I'm a billionaire now. That's, that's what I'm going to furnish my modest house with because... As a millennial, even if I were a millionaire, I couldn't see myself getting a mansion. I'd probably just get a nice nice house with a nice kitchen and a gaming room and all that stuff. And a call nice it good. kitchen is our thing, not a kitchen that's shared with, like, the bathroom. <laughs> no, no, I just, just want my own kitchen, you know? Which oh, exists maybe in even, San Francisco. Maybe even help pay, maybe even the house I'm living in now, you know, help my parents pay it off. I and mean, we'll just keep this one right now. I'll just, I'll just have a bunch of assets. And, it's a pretty and, decent house. Anyway. So that's how that's how foreign things not being stolen is to me, like the fact that in Japan in this little town of Beppu, you can leave your door unlocked when you leave because no one's gonna go in. Blows my mind. Like I cannot comprehend that information. Uh, anyway, speaking of San Francisco, we're gonna call out more assholes uh, in the whole coronavirus scandal, and I think I'm the only one pissed off about this. Uh, Niantic. I was talking about last week, and I said I was going to eat my words. If Niantic truly did not incentivize people to go out and play Pokemon Go, then I would talk about it on the podcast, eat my words, and say that they, they did not do that. Well, uh, they're a fucking incompetent company, and uh, what I suspected was going to happen happened. Niantic released, for those of you who don't know, is like 7 or $8 or something like that. You cannot pay for it with in-game money. If you earn in-game premium money, you cannot buy this pass to do it. You have to use your real-life money. 
like seven or eight dollars to get the mythical Pokemon Genensect, a steel and bug. The only mythical bug Pokemon, might I add, ironically enough. If you want it early, before it's in exclusive raids around the world, you could pay like seven or eight bucks and complete this series of missions to, to capture this mythical Pokemon. And so Niantic emphasized this, this research to get this Pokemon. Research is basically missions. These missions to get this Pokemon can be done solo. An influencer said that Niantic told her that these missions could be done from home. And so I don't believe random influencers on the internet. Um, even if they got information from the antic, it, it can be misconstrued. And it was. Um, these these missions cannot be done from home. So the, the missions that I have a problem with, Niantic incentivizing people to go outside, catch 25 normal fire, water, electric, and ice Pokemon from within your house. Ice Pokemon in San Francisco where it doesn't snow are incredibly difficult to capture outside of the winter. And outside of events. But we're going to set that one aside. Catch 125 Pokemon in your house, right? That's doable. You can get incense. They were selling incense for one Pokecoin, which is literally one penny. Uh, not not too hard. We're going to set that one aside. That one's that one's not such, a, such an egregious violation of the safety lockdown that is only leave your house for essential goods right now that we're having in, in Northern California, right? The second one is hatch an egg. And you have to walk two kilometers to hatch an egg. I don't know who has a house long enough to, like, register the distance in Pokemon Go horizontally to walk two kilometers. Um, one of my friends, RageTack, actually brought up to me that if you have an Apple Watch and you synchronize it with Pokemon Go and then you play Beat Saber or, like, tape it to your washing machine or something, that you can hatch a two-kilometer egg in Pokemon Go, right? And then there's super incubators, which will drop it down to even less than that. Right, so, okay, let's say it's feasible to hatch an egg in Pokemon Go by abusing your Apple Watch. And let's say you have an Apple Watch and an Android phone like me, right? Then you have to get three gifts. And there's no way around it. Unless you live on a Pokestop, you have to leave your house to get a gift. Um, and po playing Pokemon Go is a non-essential service. There is the argument of, oh, Nikki, once you buy this mission, you can complete it at any time. You don't have to complete it during the time that there's a coronavirus. And I say, right person on the internet who's making that counter argument, then why don't they release this mission when there's not a global pandemic that can, that can encourage people and incentivize them to leave their homes, especially when the city Niantic's headquarters is in, is in lockdown for another two weeks. Uh, so fuck you to Niantic. They, it was so easy. There's like, what? I think there's about 15 missions and and all they had to do was just was just not not include the hatch and egg send three gifts one right like they they could have tried a little bit harder but they didn't and uh if if there was if there was one argument that's ever sat with me as far as capitalism uh and capitalistic greed might not be the way it's the biggest app the biggest mobile game app in history trying to incentivize people to go outside during a national pandemic. Like, that, if there's never a stronger argument that resonated with me against capitalistic greed, then that's it right there. And of course, you know, there's the argument, oh, Nikki, tape your Apple Watch to a washing machine. You can catch 125 very, but you can wait until the pandemic is over. Then why doesn't Niantic wait until until another two weeks this all blows over? Oh, it might upset their, their Pokemon calendar of how they're going to release Pokemon throughout the year. 
Well, you know what? Every other business, my local comic book shop, every other card shop that I go to, the noodle restaurant that I like to attend, the Chinese noodle restaurant, every other business has been impacted by this um, and is taking precautions to, to, to do their best to not get people sick. And uh, Niantic getting almost there with what? 15 out of 18 of these research tasks getting there, but, but not quite. Uh, and so to that, fuck you, Niantic. I, I will admit my bias um, towards Niantic is very strong. Um, I hate them because I played their game for a very long time and then quit their game and realized how much happier um, I am. I could do I could do a whole 24-hour podcast on, on how poor Pokemon Go is of a game and how I had such great hopes for it, but, uh, but I'm not going to. The last thing we'll talk about really quickly on the show, man, I, I am going off... Um, but what else do I have to do? It, I'm locked in. GameStop finally closed. Uh, they declared themselves as an essential business, saying on Twitter, due to the products we carry that enable and enhance our customers' experience in working from home, we believe GameStop is classified as essential retail and is therefore able to remain open during this time, GameStop told in a memo staff uh, to staff this afternoon obtained by Kotaku. Uh, GameStop later on said, that um, they are closing. Uh, managers couldn't get hand sanitizer and uh, managers of their local GameStop were tasked to do that themselves because corporate wasn't getting that to them. Um, and that GameStop would um, let people pick up games curbside if they wanted to. But California and Nevada has completely shut down GameStop. In my opinion, once again, a very unnecessary service because the Nintendo eShop and PSN and Xbox Live and the Epic Game Store and Humble Bundle and Steam all exist. Um, and you can wait a little bit to get your Funko Pop. What I'm saying right now is there are a lot of sacrifices being made with this uh, global pandemic and uh, and GameStop and Niantic can, af- can afford to, to do a little bit better. And uh, we also don't need to kill the elderly, I think, is your takeaway, if anything, from the Early Access Podcast, episode 26. All right, I'm going to get going so I can play some Warzone and uh, not leave my house and grow out my shitty beard a little bit more. But thank you guys for watching. Uh, next week, hopefully things are getting better because it is next week, uh, March 31st. So we are two weeks away from the stay-at-home orders from uh, the California governor. We're two weeks out. It hopefully is going to get better, and then we will be let out on April 7th because I really want to go out and get some ramen, which I can't, I can do now, but you know, it's not the same, you know, I like, I'd I'd ideally like to see my friends. Uh, I'm an introvert and I've built up enough social energy to go out and go, go and have a bowl of ramen with people. Now I haven't built up enough social energy to go out and party. All right. Well, well, but like a, a nice hour or two out to get some ramen and, and to go play at the arcade is something I'm looking forward to. So hopefully uh, this whole thing clears up and the more of you guys staying at home, the sooner that we can get out of here and the more of you assholes going out to party on the beach, then the longer we have to do this, which is why I'm such an advocate of people staying at home because honestly, um, my ulterior motive is I really want to go back to the arcade and play games. So please, everyone stay home so I can go back and play some Waka and some Dance Rush uh, because I, all I'm doing is playing Half-Life Alex and Beat Saber right now. Anyway, uh, 
Um, I am your host, DJ Nikki. We will be back. Uh, check us out on Spotify, twitch.tv slash Stella Shampoo, 8 p.m. PST for the pre-show. Sometimes the pre-show is really long. We talk about a lot of things on it. Twitch.tv slash Stella Shampoo. Uh, support us on Spotify and on Discord, where there will be early access podcast updates at discord.gg slash Stella Shampoo. I'm your host, DJ Nikki. Kula is here also, and we'll be back next week, uh, Tuesdays, 8 p.m. PST for the early access podcast when hopefully things will be better.